Hi there, Dave Levine here. Thanks for joining me for episode six of the Sports Stories podcast. Our special guest today is Paul Smith. Paul has recently been with us on a previous podcast and we have a five-part series of shows, so stick with us. Paul's story links very closely with Colin Wilson, who was with us at our previous podcast. They both navigated their way through the junior ranks of their sport, one being table tennis and Paul's being cricket. Paul being a professional cricketer for Warwickshire, Paul shares a great deal of stories about how he worked with the likes of Gladstone Small, Brian Lara and Dermot Reeve. He also gives a real great insight into how he prepared to perform and the ups and downs of his career. So without further ado, I'm going to dive straight in with some of the powerful quotes that guided Paul through his career. I'd like to take us back to a couple of quotes which you've shared. Okay, You might need to recount these for me, but you, you mentioned something around people not looking but not seeing. Mm. Tell me what where that plays out what do you mean by looking but not seeing and, and you also used another one around it's not what's within it's it's what's within, within. it's not the packaging okay so it's what is within it's not the packaging correct okay tell me a little bit about where those sort of philosophies or views come into play for you well you can look the part you can have all the trendy kits a bit like the guy that turns up the local golf course with a brand new set of clubs a new bag yeah. a new trolley and whatever and he's absolutely terrible gone about it the wrong way um you can give people the trendiest training kits but unless what's within makes them want to train and train hard and train for a specific purpose then the kits are a waste of time anyway um what was the other one looking but not right, so if i was going to go and uh you may observe me pick up the television in the corner of the room and walk out with it you may look but you don't see what I'm doing. Because I could be the I could be the grand maintenance man when in fact I'm the thief who's just nicked your telly. So it's a matter of looking at what's right in front of your eyes and yeah. having a very clear picture about what you're actually seeing. And there's something about depth there. How are you are you you're looking you're seeing what's really going on. You're, you're going looking, below, you're, below you're the searching. Surface. You're constantly searching. I do it all do it to this day you're constantly searching as a matter of whether you're writing whether you're trying to find a better way to get something across it could be you've got to stand up in front of an audience how can you how can you like if i turn up and speak at a dinner then don't expect colin cowdery to walk in with a crisp white collar on yeah. and a blaze and whatever oh, yeah i've got a crisp white collar and yes i've got but i've got hair down my down my back so i look different so people judge you on appearance when in the fact don't judge me on appearance because if you think i look daft now i can make myself look really daft if you give me five minutes but what's coming out of me is a huge amount of knowledge and you may find this interesting imagine this so it's how you communicate yeah. it so that every person in that room understands male female, grandma, grandpa, child, whatever it would be, you communicate it in a way where whether they know what you're talking about or not, you communicate it in a way so that they will see the humour in it. They will, see, they will see the message and the message is everything. And in these two key messages, I think, which, you know, again, from talking to you are really beginning to fall out. Can you give an example of how this message has been really important to you in your life and how it's played out? The message with me is always to be curious. Um, I was always curious regarding, I mean, cricket, certain people don't have an opinion about cricket. Some people think it's a static sport. Yeah. And in a way it is. 
Uh, it's not like football where you've got 22 footballers who are consistently running. With cricket, someone runs up, bowls the ball. 45 seconds later, they run up and bowl another one. In between time, you've had guys standing around okay. static. But the psychology of what's actually okay. taking place is I can run up and bowl the ball, bowl it, wicketkeeper takes it, I then walk back towards my mark. Meanwhile, I send a signal to the field that's uh, okay. on the ground. So when, when I say it's lots of people look, not many people see. see. Mm-hmm. So certain people who follow that thought pattern will see that the, the one of the fielders has moved 10 yards and he's gone slightly further back because I've told him this is what I'm trying to do. So it's a game of cat and mouse. Yeah. You know, if it's competition in sport is about, as I said, it's about doing what the opposition least expect you to do or least want you to do, Um but that's like business, it's, uh, it's staying one ahead of the pack. Yeah. But don't tell people your plan. I tell my 27-year-old boy that every day. Right. Don't help, tell people <laughs> your plans because they'll either nick your idea or tell everyone what, you, what you're going to be up to. Boy, you know, it's not your plan anymore. Um, so it, it's a pretty basic philosophy which comes out of the art of communication and not fearing. You can't fear failure because... And many times in any one day, you'll get it wrong. You know, it's a bit like walking into a room and not remembering what you walked in to do. Yeah, That's yeah. not something yeah. that just occurs when you st- start to get on a bit more. It's because you've either lost focus mm. um, or something has cropped up like that, which you have to react to. Mm. Um, but you have to know what the goal is. And there's nothing worse than having a goal without a plan. So you have to know what the plan is. Everyone, if, if you're in a team sport, I mean, it's a bit different, I suppose, for people like who are tennis players or golfers, that's a solo sport. You are, it's you. You may have a caddy or you may have a coach mm. on the side, yeah. but by and large, once that ball's on the ground and you've got your club in front of you, um, you may well have an individual plan. Yeah. 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 yeah, you have to know what you're trying to do. Oh, and yeah. Sometimes it goes against the grain of what the, co- the coach may be sat on the side saying, no, don't do that. When in fact he gets the result, um, and he might pat you on the back afterwards and say, "Well done," hmm. but it's not what he would have done. But your coach is only part of the is only that's only part of the equation. You've got to be mentally strong, and it's you against him, hmm. the opponent, rather than your coach. You can't fear asking questions. So you pick up on two things for me there. There's something about as a, as a as a uh, professional sportsman or a sportsman that's really wanting to try and improve and reach uh, a high level. There's something about not just um, looking, but really trying to see, observing, being curious. Mm-hmm. Okay, and how how we must continue to con- develop that and learn that skill, but also learn from each other. Right? When someone like Brian Lara came here, um, he just broken a world record which yeah. had stood for a long time and right. still stands to this day, Brian's. Um, and Brian, when people used to talk about where the fielders were, he would say, why do you talk about where the fielders are? Because we're not interested in the fielders, we're interested in where the okay. gaps are. <laughs> so every time someone spoke okay. about a fielder, Brian would say, no, you have to think twice. You're looking at a the fielder, then you're having to think again and look again to see where the gaps were. Why don't you just look at the gaps? It's one thought. Um, and he would give you multiple examples of that uh, and it simplified everything great 
So what you, what are you seeing? What are you looking for? And what are you seeing is, is actually the key message. Yeah, and, and sometimes okay. even in a team environment where there's two of your batters out in the middle and there's nine of you and your coach sat in the changing rooms, initially, before everyone gets it, yeah, you may have a half the team who are thinking one thing and the other half who are thinking something completely different. Yeah. Um, so... If that was the case and it wasn't brought to the table and communicated, shouldn't we be trying to do this or thinking like this or this is what I was thinking which surprised you, but can you understand now what I was trying to do? Um, the key to it was, is if it if you went out and tried something and it failed, your teammates, I'm talking about when we were truly successful, your, your teammates weren't put out by what you tried to pull off because they knew what you were trying to pull off had come off many times before. It just hadn't come off today. Yeah. And if you've got 11 people who are good and they back themselves, all you need is half them to fire on any one day and you'll win more than you lose. Yeah. And if you can get on a roll and you're doing things that opponents aren't expecting to do, you'll win more than you used to and it just goes from there um subtle things yeah. but you know a huge amount of thought a huge amount never mind i mean god forbid you spend so many times on a cricket field but we never switched off the thing that fooled people was because we were very social people thought that we would be that we were unprofessional but you can't be switched on the whole time. Ian Botham used to say, you can't expect me to go back to my hotel room when I play the way that I do, can you? Whereas the people that right. were reporting on such behavior that may have been taken going on off the pitch, they would, would focus on that. Uh, where there's no way the likes of Ian Botham, I mean, I heaven forbid we spoke about Paul Gascoigne earlier, yeah. and like George Best. Yeah, yeah. Um, people are all different. And you have to admire people for the many things that they bring to the table. I've never met many bad people within sport. You have people who do deaf things, and we're all capable of that. Yeah. Um, so, Paul, you, you also mentioned earlier on about you used the term failure and fear of failure. How does that play out in, in, in both your life and you see in the wider world? Because it's such a key term and used so often. Fear of failure. I think a lot of people don't put their foot in the pond um, because of a fear of failure. Right. Um, I just think it's important to give it a go. Um, if you are if you are enthused by something, you have to remember that those that we admire and watch from a distance, the, the huge amount of skill they've got. What you must always remember, particularly if you're talking to young people, is if any, I mean, it's a bit like, you know, you have a child, the child doesn't know how to talk, it yeah. hasn't, it doesn't know how to walk, can't even crawl. Uh, so you see them develop and you yeah. see them learn and they learn how to crawl and then they, then they learn how to stand and then you've got to lift everything off the coffee tables because <laughs> they want to pick those up. Yeah. It's a constant development. You just have to be enthusiastic and not and, and understand that failure is part of that. And any person that uh, I've met who's been successful <laughs> will tell you about the many times it failed and the amount of hours. People don't understand. They see the glamorous side. They see they come into the ground. They sit in their seat. There's thousands of people in here. People run out onto the field and, and entertain and whatever. What people must understand is that the people who they are watching 
have got it wrong more often than they've got it right, but they've worked out what they do when they do get it right in order to try and break down the times that they get it wrong. You have to persevere. Uh, so you have to fail, is kind of what you're saying. You've got to, you've got to fail in, in order to know how to win. And, and if I flip it around, though, in terms of how, how, do do you or do you think other sports people that you've been in the company of use the idea of fear of failure as a, a motivator and a driver? I don't think it's the failure side. It's just that you don't want the disappointment. You, you want the results and you, you understand you have to understand you're not going to get the result every time. You may get seen off. You may you, you might have an umpire who has a shocker and gives three, <laughs> yeah. three, three poor decisions against you. And before you know it, the game's gone. Yeah. Meanwhile, you're out of a competition. You thought you could win. Yeah. Um, you can't fear failure. Yeah. Uh, you just have to embrace what you're involved in and understand. You know, you can bowl. If you talk about cricket and bowling, you can bowl four four balls in exactly the place you want it to do. You can beat the bat. You can then run up and bowl two absolute rank long hops yeah. that get hit straight down someone's throat and you're a hero. Mm. And they're the two balls you didn't want to bowl. Yeah. So if you got it right every time, it would actually become boring after a while. Uh, and the nature of life is that we are constantly being challenged because mm. conditions change, people's opinions change, mm. opponents change. Even your own mindset changes. What happened yesterday at home um, may completely crop up in your head yeah. whilst you're stood in front of 25,000 people and you wish that what was said at home wasn't said. Well, we're talking there quite a lot about the, the kind of um, the psychological or the philosophical side of, of the game rather than the, the actual technical or tactical the bits out there. What's your view on, on that around, you know, what goes on here within the club or the stuff that's going on in the wider family life and society and how that plays in plays out in your mind? You know, there's, there's been a certain amount of people start to talk about this and the importance of it. What's, what's your view? What, the importance of what's going on in your life? Yeah, and how it impacts on, on performance in sport. Um, well, I think it does. It, it, it's, if it isn't acknowledged, um, then it's wrong that it's not acknowledged. Yeah. In more modern times, um, if the skipper has to turn around to the coach and say, listen, our opening batsman's having a bit of a shocker with his missus at home at the moment, they yeah. might not be together unless he has a bit of time at home. Yeah. If the captain doesn't have that conversation with the coach, the coach won't know about it. And, and life goes on because the coach's job is... He's there to do a job, yeah. whereas maybe a really important part of the cog that his job is, mm. is actually the opening batsman. And it's not a case that you have to walk in the changing room and blurt out what's going through your mind emotionally. It's a matter of people have to know, is everyone all right? Yeah. Uh, you know, because sometimes we would suggest things to our captain and our coach, can't we have a day off, coach? Because we're knackered. Um, and, you know, if we were bottom of competitions and knocked out the other ones, uh, then the chances are probably not. Uh, yeah. Sometimes the very thing you do need is the coach says, right, we've got three days off now and that's not what you expected. And it's like, thank you, Lord. Yeah. Because you can go away, refresh your batteries, do whatever you've got to do and come back and get stuck into it straight away. So uh, there's so many different pressures. There's peer pressures, there's pressure... Um, there can be a young lad in the second team who's starting to do well, who you start to look over your shoulder thinking maybe in, you know, maybe they're looking at this kid to take my spot. Who knows what goes through the minds of other people? What were your strategies 
or managing those pressures? The more pressure, the better. So you thrived on it for you? Uh, I wanted to play in the biggest games I possibly could. Um, it didn't matter what my preparation was. They're the games I wanted to play in. So yeah. I could have had an absolute shocker yeah. uh, the day before, but it didn't phase me right. because this is what, this is why. I mean, it's a bit like, okay. you know, musicians live to be on stage. Sportsmen live to be, be you know, the training ground is, is a place where you learn an awful lot. Um, but in reality, you probably earn more, you learn more about yourself on the field. Right. And that will come through success or failure. You surprise yourself. You go out and play in innings. You didn't, it's not that you didn't think you were capable of doing it. It's you've done it. And you sit up and make people take notice. Uh, and, and you can take real confidence from that. Um, because you've proven a point. I spent an awful lot of my career trying to prove a point to those around me. I don't care what opposition thought of me because I knew that when I got it right... Who, I, who, who are those around you that you were trying to prove a point to, would you say? Uh, maybe it could be a coach. It could right. be someone uh, who sits on the creative committee. It yeah. could be someone who said something to you where you think you're so far wrong. Right. Um, I'll prove you wrong, kind of. Yeah, thing. kind yeah. of, but not, you know, not to the extent where it would really get to you. Uh, and you're not going to go and knock on that person's door and say, you see what I've just done there? That's what I mean. Yeah. You're not okay. going to do that. Yeah. Uh, you don't have to say that. Because um, your actions say that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. You know, and, and so it's almost like they are a byproduct of this, of this environment that you're in because it's, so, um, it's so visual. You can't – we could uh, – uh, one example in terms of, you know, how you react to, to people's perceptions of you or, or how they say it to you. When Gladstone and I were young, we lived together not far from here with, an, with another guy. And we used to drink in a local pub. And if we had done well, there was a guy in the pub would never ask us how we'd got on today. But if we knew that we had lost or had a shocker or Paul's got out first ball, he'd walk out and say, have a good day today, have you? Uh, and, and it was quite obvious, you know, and it, I mean, what a, what a sad case. Yeah. Um, but that's the difference between sport and everyday life yeah. because my mates didn't play cricket um, so they could have had a shocker at work but they were still they were still there at seven o'clock at night yeah, yeah. and I wasn't going to ask them if they've had a good day at work because that's their business and they'll tell me if they've had a shocker mm. if, they've, if they've had a real windfall I'll know because they're buying the beer all night yeah. but your, your work is, is in the you can't hide you can't hide from it you can't hide yeah. you know it's, and, and obviously now it's even worse because everyone's got mobile phones whereas before yeah. it was CFAX the local paper, <laughs> yeah. or, or, you know, the BBC radio. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's a, it's, it's, a hard, it's a hard gig playing sport. Um, and and, and when, it, when it was at its hardest, can you, can you give us a sense of what, what, what would be your reset strategy to, if you were having a tough time, how would you get reset and go again? Uh, I would reset, clear the mind and turn up the next day. Okay. Um, and how will you clear your mind? What what will you do to, for you? 
I would go out and I would go out and have I would go out and do what I wanted to do. But right. it was so far removed from what I got paid to do. So right. that there's no way I could be focusing on what I was okay. supposed to be. So take you away from the focus is, is was your. I was I was having to get away, away from, from it. it. Um, Whereas some people need to do what feel they need to do more of it. So, yeah. yeah. Whereas you felt you need to just get completely away. Yeah. And fear the mind and start again. We are all we are all different. Yeah. Um, and some people might take their cricket bat back to their hotel room yeah. and practice their full defensive shot in front of the mirror in yeah. the bedroom. Well, you know what? That wasn't for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, of course, if you're if you're not firing like you know you can, you're not striking the ball as well as you can, your yeah. feet aren't moving as well as they can, and this, that, and the other. Those are things that if they play on your mind throughout the whole day before or the night before a game or something like that, it's actually going to sap you of energy. Yeah. Um, I would always say get away from it as much as you possibly can. Turn up the next day and do what you got to do. It may be a case of you say to the coach, "Can you can you you come to the ground half an hour mm-hmm. early and throw balls?" Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't matter what you got to do. You just got to get the result. And, and okay. if you look throughout the sixteen-year career, you'll see that there were many days where there was no result, mm-hmm. but it was all part of a plan. Right. Okay. Um, when it works. It worked, and it was devastating, and that was my job. So there were more people around like me, and I'm not saying everyone should be like me because we're all different, Um, but ultimately it's about the result. Play fair, get the result, and move on. Right. So I'm also just trying to pull out from what you're saying in terms of somebody that might be listening to us here thinking, actually, what's the question or what's the strategy that they might need to use to help them? And there's something about me knowing you, knowing the plan you're in, knowing what you're there to do and really understanding what your strategy is to reset for yourself, whether it is to, to do more of it or to do less of it or to... You know, whatever it is. It may vary. Yeah. It may vary. I mean, sometimes you may have to practice really hard yeah. um, in order to get it back. Uh, other times, coming away from it will give you the advantage. You'll come back more refreshed, even if it's 24 hours. Mm. Um, what I do know is that cricket is pretty simple in the sense that if you stand at the end of your mark and you're not phased about the person you're about to bowl at and you're not phased about the fact there's 20 or thousand people in the ground and you're not phased about the fact there's TV cameras and that, you should thrive in those situations because you wanted to be a professional cricketer. Um, so if I was stood at the end of my mark and I wasn't phased by any of this, I knew I was halfway there because I knew what I wanted to, and what I needed to bowl. And when I batted, when I took guard or when I was stood at the crease, and we've got to score it, whatever it is, per over in order to win this game. When you've got a clear mind, you've got a much better chance. You know, you can't be, you can't be running around um, all panicky because mm-hmm. a, it saps your energy. B, it's not good for the guy who's at the other end. It's just the way that it is. The preparation for performance comes in many shapes and forms. How do you practice that? How how do you learn that? Or, or it's affirmation. Affirmation. Yeah. Okay, so that was the strategy that you so used. So Woody, okay. Woody taught us affirmation yeah. um, or spoke to us. What's affirmation then for, for in, in your so, world? If I were to say to you, we're looking out there at Edgebass and Creed Ground tomorrow, there's going to be 20 or 1,000 people in here. You and I are one of 
11 people who were going to take the field. Yeah. But I've never played here before. This is my debut game for Warwickshire. If I have been prepared for what is about to take place tomorrow and it's I've got peace of mind about it, it means I will be less phased. It's almost like I have been out there, so I'm prepared for this. Uh, some people suffer with stage fright. Plenty of musicians throw up before they go up, up on stage. Yeah. How people prepare, what, you know, some people are very talkative before they're just about to go out onto the field. Yeah. Some people like peace and quiet. Some people like this, some people like that. I knew what I needed and it didn't matter whether the dressing room was really loud or really quiet, as long as in my head I knew what I had to do when I got out there. It didn't really worry me. You know, and in fact, you have to lighten what is a tense environment, which is why you you know, you can't be the you can't be the club <laughs> comedian, but you can bring humour into the circumstances of which we find ourselves and we're gonna be in this situation for the next two hours. So we can't all sit there biting our nails. And, that, and it sounds like that really worked for you, particularly. It and worked for us. Yeah, for, for the team. Yeah, we had a great, okay, a great. There was a great camaraderie, despite the amount of disagreements that we was having. It's only natural if you put a bunch of people in a in a in a work environment with lots of pressure on them. Yeah. you will have people who snap. Okay, you will have people who take offence at something that wasn't intended. Um, you just have to have an environment that you're comfortable in where you know that we're all in this together and if you've got that environment you've got such a better much better chance of progressing and getting the result i think that applies to any any walk of life as long as you know what you want as an outcome and in cricket it's victory um in general life it's a matter of how can we get through this it could be how can we get through the next two weeks because we've paid all the bills, but we've got no money for food? You know, it can be whatever, whatever it takes. Um, so if, if, if somebody was kind of in their professional environment trying to strive to win their cricket games, um, you talk there about creating the environment and the importance of that team environment. Um, what, what two or three things would you would you suggest are, are crucial that they, they worked at and worked skill. on? Yeah. Mindset. Mindset, okay. Um, and practice. And, and if you have, if, if there is skill there through practice, that skill will become sharper. Yeah. Hopefully less predictable to opponents. Yeah. Um, there's no improvement without practice of some sort. Yeah. But some people practice in the nets. Yeah. Whereas people like me would come to the changing rooms, sit down, and get their mind right for what's going to happen at 11 o'clock. And yeah. it might be 10 o'clock, and they may say, well, Paul's still in the changing rooms, and we've been here since half nine, whereas, in fact, I'm actually getting my head right. Yeah. Um, I may have scored 100 the day before. I got five wickets or something like that. So yeah. it's not as important for Paul to go to the nets. If Paul is having a shocker, then he needs to be in the nets to hopefully regain some confidence because yeah. we've got a big gun. Yeah. So the skill... The perseverance, yeah. the practice, but the mindset is absolutely crucial because you can practice as much as you want, but if your mindset is not right, you yeah. can actually go backwards. And what about the and what about the collective in terms of the the, the team? What 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 two or three things could somebody work on if they were a head coach coming into a dressing room or into a team environment, thinking actually, 
you've, you've talked a lot for me about actually the, the collective power and the roles that people play in the, in the, the environment. What, what do we need to focus on? How would we work on that? Team harmony. Okay. And what, did you, what was done to, to generate the right team harmony, would you say? Once you know that you've got people who all want the same things, and right, team okay. harmony can come from socialising together. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, it could be team harmony if you took a look at a place like Warwickshire. Yeah. Because of its connections to the city, you got connections all over the city. Uh, okay. So sometimes Brilliant. people yeah. might say, right, tomorrow afternoon we're going to do this, and it might be something totally unexpected. And it right. would be in a relaxing environment, and it was unexpected. And it was almost like a gift. This is like a little, brilliant, a little pawn in the system to to keep you enthused. Brilliant, yeah. Um, it could be anything. Do the unexpected, but I think the key to it is you need team harmony. You need to know that everyone around you is also wanting the same things. Okay. Uh, clarity of purpose. Yeah. Clarity of purpose, purpose. and also. From a from a coach's point of view or a mentor's mentor's point of view, you hear about the coach or the manager has lost the changing room. Okay. You normally hear about it in football. <laughs> yeah. Um, although it happens in it'll happen in every sport. Yeah. Now it's about a time where it becomes apparent that this workforce uh, is actually needs a better boss. Okay, yeah. It needs a better sales director. It needs a better this, that, yeah. someone who's going to really drive it because yeah. these people would lose their enthusiasm because they'll reach the goal too soon. So the business may start to do better, but you could be climbing mountains. You yeah. could be destroying your yeah. opponents um, in whatever field that business is. So you have to have an enthusiastic coach who knows what the plan is. He has to sell it to the players. The players have to buy into it. That has to be a good method of practice. Um um, and, I'm, and when I mean method of practice, it could be how we, how are we going to run the show? Okay. That certain bowlers don't want to go to the nets every day. So oh. let the bowlers come in and they can have a bit of a rub down from the physio. They can be about everyone's all in it together. And they may come out and do fielding practice at the end, but they haven't had to bowl. So they go away from that day's practice or whatever it was, preparation for tomorrow. And they actually feel a bit better because they haven't been the donkey Brilliant. who's had to do all the work in the net. It's a matter of looking at people, knowing how to t- t- pat okay. them on the back with little <laughs> rewards, bite-sized rewards. And it could be, right, mate, you just sit down today. You're not, we don't want you to do anything. Yeah. Be lazy if you want. And, when, um, and you use the word team harmony, and I'm playing this out to you in a sense of, uh, is you know, team harmony, is, is it about it all being nice or is it about what I'm hearing anyways, more around actually using people for their right strengths, their right contributions at the right time? Well, yeah. people, team harmony stems from people knowing that their strengths are the best times for them to be used. Once that is okay. acknowledged, that will, yeah. that will make people feel better in itself. Okay, yeah. Because yeah. everyone gets yeah. how good you are. Yeah. So if everyone, if everyone clocks, I knew everyone's key skills of the people that okay. I played cricket with. So I would actually tell them how good they were because it's really important to pat people on the back. Um, and if everyone, it's not about going around patting everyone on the back. It's a matter of people expressing their appreciation about what their fellow person has done today to get this reward. And, and, and the value they bring to the team. Correct. Yeah, recognize. And we're all different, you know, so there is the quiet one. There's the person who wants to be there first and wants to practice 
till the last ball in the in the practice session. There are those that don't necessarily want to do that. There are people who are a bit free spirited, and there were a few of us like that. Dermot Reed would be a classic example, and he was our leader. Yeah. Um. So having a leader like that at times was an advantage because he got it. Not everyone is the the class SWAT. Yeah, we can all be the SWAT. We can all bring things to the table which get the result. But you can't treat people all the same. And and at times in sport and in life, people make the mistake of trying to treat people all the same. Right. They funnel people, try and funnel people all down uh, in a manner because it ticks all the boxes. Ticking the boxes is, you know, that's a clipboard game. I've never seen anyone win a game of sport through a clipboard. I've seen loads of people communicate really well and take things forward from which good results came. Wow. I like to walk around with a clipboard ticking next to your name saying that you, you did 20 minutes in the gym and you've done 25 minutes in the bowling machine. You done. Well, you know, if I'm good at my job, I'll know that. I don't have to tick any boxes. I know you've done it. And I think you're picking up on many, many key principles for sort of coaching and leadership, both in sport, outside sport, in, in life, really. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think that it's crystallized for me the key principles of, of driving a, a team forward is, is really around understanding the individual, um, understanding yourself and how you interact with others, um, and also getting the right communication and the right culture in the environment to be able to perform. Correct. And it's also a matter of understanding your faults. Right. Okay. Yeah. You have to acknowledge your faults, whether you like it or not, and it becomes easier the older you get. Um, you know, sometimes when you're in your 20s or your late teens, you don't want to hear what you know because that might bruise your ego or you certainly don't want it said in front of the team uh, because that might be really hot. You might be soft at heart despite what your exterior shows. You may be a soft-hearted person. So you have to know the characters that you are about and going to spend a lot of time about. There are certain things you know you can say to one person and it'll give them a kick up the backside. You know that there's no way you could communicate that way with the person. It's a bit like if you're a teacher and you've got 30 kids in front of you, you know the kid in the corner who's quiet, doesn't put his hand up, quite meek. You have to teach him in a different way. The kid in the corner and the other corner is a swap. In between, you've got a very spirited kid that doesn't appear to take anything and doesn't want to be there, whatever. How do you communicate with all of them so that they all move forward in the sound knowledge that we all learn at different times? So long as you are moving everyone forward and you care, you will move them forward. But we live in a society where, in a schooling system, you are judged by the time you are 18. You're either going to go to university because you've done very well, kid, or you're on the you're on the pile, um, and you're one of God knows how many tens of millions of people who are judged, and and you're just part of the system, and they're all scrapping for the same jobs. That's if anyone ever planted a seed about what you want to do with the rest of your life when you leave school. So, Paul, I, w- I want to come back to speak to you about the, the kind of the, the role of sport in society um, at a later stage. But I just want to, just before we finish off this this show here, I'd like to just raise the idea of vulnerability and and how does vulnerability and, and where you were talking a little bit about showing, you know, your weaknesses potentially, how, how does that work in, in this performance environment? Um, well, you'll never, they say you can never control tears. So um, emotions are, you can control emotions, but there are trigger points that you can't control. 
and, and a psychologist would be a better person to explain it than me. We are all vulnerable, and in sport, you're incredibly vulnerable because you're judged the whole time. Um, with the, the newspaper critic who's in the press box with his typewriter or his laptop, you've got radio stations, guys sure. with mics, you've got television uh, crews, you have your bosses, the people who decide whether you're going to get another contract. And you have uh, everyone's an expert and they're all talking about you mm-hmm. and how well you're doing or how poorly you're doing or I told you he wasn't as good as that or he's the brightest thing since sliced bread. Um, emotions are funny things and how you can keep hold it all together is absolutely pivotal because those that hold it together more tend to be more successful. And, I, and I'm hearing the, the vulnerability that you're you're exposed to in the environment, i.e. everybody watching in and, and lots of stuff potentially out of your control or how people perceive and, and see you. Uh, and I, I'm also really curious now in, in this day and age, both in the sport and in, in the wider world, about actually people letting more of who they are out and how that could help them or does that get in their but that, way? But you see, that's not encouraged. The, the, if you look at sport over a, over yeah. a long period of time, the, the, it would appear that the real characters were of the past. It's it's not really encouraged. And Michael Atherton said he didn't want characters, he wanted players of character. Okay. All right, so I kind of get what he says, but if you'd taken the character out of Paul Gascoigne, there wouldn't have been the player that you've got. How you could potentially make him a more rounded character to get a more consistent performance, that is a, that is a, a really interesting point. And, and the, someone like Terry Venables would appear to in, enthuse Paul Gascoigne to go out and play football in the way that he wants, just go out and play kid. Whereas someone like Sir Alex Ferguson, who wanted Paul Gascoigne to go to Manchester United, maybe Paul Gascoigne feared having such a a more militant character, if he needed to be, coming down on him um, about what he's doing in his life and this, that and the other, because it will affect the way that you play. Maybe Paul Gascoigne went to London and the Bright Lights and Terry Venables because it was an easier option than going to Manchester United and being one of many exceptional players so the choices that you make um, and bear in mind we haven't even spoken about things like player representation agents pressure from you know the the agent knows if you're a good player that if, if if he the agent can get four or maybe five big transfers out of you he's earning an awful lot of money and he's going to talk to you about an awful lot of money and you probably come from a council estate in the middle of nowhere where you think this is never going to end. Yeah, yeah. So the education of life doesn't just come on what you do with the ball at your feet or the ball in your hand or the cricket bat in your hand. The education of life, everyone has a part to play. That's where representation is so important. Yeah. I never had representation. I never had an agent when I played. Whether that is a good thing or a bad thing, I don't know. I mean, every Tom, Dick and Harry now has got an agent, whether they're worthy of one or not. Yeah. Um, but that's about money. Yeah. That's about agents representing as many players as possible in certain cases, because the more that they represent, the more money they themselves are going to earn. Mm. Whether the advice that they are given is the best advice is um, up for grabs. 
Well, you, you raise so many more thoughts there, though, in terms of you know what, what's going on in the wider society, the pressures and the and the role of agents and and representation. And I think we've even started to touch on areas around the, the sort of the mental health and how do we help and support players that are facing pressure. You know, I raised the idea about, about vulnerability and actually, you know, you, you've been really open about your journey so far. You know, and when you're in the thick of 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 your career, how does that play out and what do you actually hold in and what can you let out? It seems like such a, a crucial aspect at the moment. I think when you're in the I think that when you when you play sport for a living, you you take an awful lot of things for granted because we're all good, aren't we? That is sort of like the that is almost like the the the, the macho sort of theme that can some sometimes take over. The human side and the vulnerable side of people, uh, obviously in more recent years, has been spoken about. The support mechanisms that are in place for, for players, both when they're playing and post-career, because there are as many issues that arise post-career as to sure. do. You, you can go from, being, right, Mike Tyson last, last week, last month, gave an interview where he said, he now feels that having been the, the man, you know, the, this, the baddest man in the world, the heavyweight champion in the world, the man that everyone feared, he was only prepared to be that character. They bigged him up to be that character. They never told him how he could relax, right? Okay. how he could actually <laughs> become a different person in between fights and not get into trouble, et cetera, et cetera. And, and he says that now... I think it was a bad day because I've seen him do other interviews where he didn't necessarily come from that angle. But I mean, he was in tears saying he's no one now because he's not Mike Tyson, the one you knew. Right. So also um, around his identity there, I guess. So there yeah. was an identity problem. But the thing is, people will never. I mean, it's been like if you've been the lead singer of, if you've been the front man for Pink Floyd, it doesn't matter what you do after that, you're always the yeah, front man yeah, for yeah, Pink yeah. Floyd. At the age of 55, people still refer to me as the cricketer. Yeah. Well, I haven't played cricket probably for 20-odd years. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and, and I believe that my best work has actually taken place post-career. Um, but not that I'm probably going to get into debate about that with that sort of person, but yeah. you are always referred to as the person who used to be sent to forward for Aston Villa or Liverpool or whatever or played cricket for. That's the naivety of whatever it is. I mean, I don't even look as if I played professional sport. <laughs> and that kind of works to my advantage. Well, Paul, I'm going to stop us there because, again, we've got so many other areas to go to. And, and, and what I want to do is um, thank you again for being so open and honest about some of these um, really important aspects of your world, but also the, the sporting profession. Um, and we'll come back and we'll, we'll speak a little bit about, you know, those other 20 odd years after your performance career in terms of where you felt you've done some of your best work. So uh, once again, thanks very much. Really appreciate your openness and honesty. So there you have it, the second of five discussions we have with Paul. Paul clearly is very passionate about what he does and has a clear view on what helped him to perform at the highest level. There are so many amazing insights within the conversation. For me, clarity of purpose, got to fail to work out how to win, team harmony, whether or not you need characters or character in the team dressing room to succeed are all thoughts that came from the conversation. As always, the conversations make me think and reflect, and I'd like to pose the following questions. When aware, is fear of failing or getting it wrong holding you back? Furthermore, 
What small wins or small rewards will help you continue to move forward? And what do you need to put in place to make this all come to life? I'd love to hear some of your responses, so please get in touch. For more great conversations though, thought-provoking questions, sports insights, please join me next Monday for another episode of the Sports Stories podcast. Please also let me have some feedback or leave a comment regarding the podcast. would always be delighted to hear. As a way of signing off, thanks for joining me today and I look forward to you joining me next time.